Welcome to episode 37 of Queer Alien Blast. This is our recap for episode 10, season three. Um, And so we're going to dive in like we usually do in about the same order. We usually talk about them too and start with Liz and Max. I already know Sarah and I apparently don't agree. So that's a good way to start an episode. I really like it. Um, I mean, do we, I mean, this happens pretty frequently. I feel like (laughs) with us. I really, the only reason I would say that I enjoyed it is I really enjoyed that first little scene with like Liz being thirsty over Max. I just thought that was cute. You know, it's a cute little like shipper moment. I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I thought that, I thought it was cute. It was just the, I feel like, I feel like it's same, the same way that I felt when Malik's got back together. Like it just came out of nowhere. Like two or three episodes ago, you know, Liz is talking about how bad they were for each other and for the people around them. And then now all of a sudden, like that doesn't matter anymore because she's like super thirsty for him again. I think Liz gave some, some, you know, some confessions this episode or whatever, but when she went to kiss him, it was Jones anyway. Like, I don't think I didn't, I wouldn't have really considered them back together. I thought it was, you know, no, no, I don't think that they're back together, but I mean, like we had like all of these moments leading up to this, where Liz was talking, Liz has talked about how they are not in a good place and how they aren't super healthy for each other. And then I don't know. It just felt weird that they, you know, like it's, I'm super into you again. And like, that doesn't seem, I'm sure it'll be addressed going forward. I'm sure they're not just going to get back together once Jones is dealt with and never mention it again. I don't know. It just, it came kind of out of left field for me. Yeah. I don't know. I like when those two actually do something like when they're on adventures together, when they're actually solving things, like they work out really well together. They're like, non-stop just emotional conversations between the two of them not unlike Malik's right just those constant like earth-shattering emotional conversations that gets old after a while <laughs> I don't I don't want every episode to be this like dragging on thing and this time I just enjoy them sort of trying to solve the mystery together they just have good chemistry really I mean I would hope that they don't get back together like actually officially um I did I love that Jones is starting to play Max much more convincingly Mm -hmm. um, enough to fool Liz. Um, That was a really good little reveal. Um, The idea that she would know that it's fucking Jones from kissing him. Okay. I don't find that realistic, but okay. Um, Sure. Whatever. But that was cute. I really liked, like you said, I liked, I liked when they were like doing stuff together. I love that little line when they, broke into the cabin where Max is like, we've got to stop breaking into Heath Tuckman's residences. Like they're cute together. Those, I really enjoyed those scenes. Like that you can't deny that Nathan and Janine have insane chemistry. So I did, I did enjoy all of their scenes. It's just the kind of like pushy romantic stuff that I was like, eh, about, but no, I loved every bit of, of what they did together in this episode. 
Nick, do you have any opinions about Liz and Max? Okay. Nope. <laughs> I, I do not remember most of it, so no. That's fair. Um, we sorry, can, guys. and that, well, no, there, I mean, there was not much to really say about them. It's not really anything different. Um, so we can really move on to the most, more important part of the episode, I think, are starting off with um, talking about Heath and Dallas and a little bit of Michael and Isabel. But um, I just, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Dallas and Michael being so similar and sort of bonding over that um, was a great choice. Man, from Michael going from Michael having no one to now having like a triad and not only just them, but other, you know, having Alex, having everyone, having Sanders. I mean, we went full on from zero to 60 this season. And I'm a big fan of that because I would argue that even though he and Isabel and Max, you know, close in season one, eh, it's not, it wasn't the same. There wasn't as much support and like love and respect between the three of them. They had their own issues. And so finally, finally we get to see what Michael looks like and Isabel too, when they are surrounded by supportive people or people like them. You're my dad. Merely his consciousness. But that doesn't change how much I love you, son. The empath, the engineer, and I set out to make a better world for our children. As a triad, we found strength in our unity. And I hope that the children of our triad will share that connection as well. But there's bad news. There is a chance that someone will come for you. He would be looking for my equation, which is being embedded into your consciousness as we speak. The equation is the framework for the chemical weapon that will decouple the dictator from all his vessels permanently. You cannot allow him to have it under any circumstance. It is the key to his demise. But in the dictator's wicked hands, it will also only make his reign of terror everlasting. I am sorry what we could not fix. But I hope my memories of the past that I have taken for good and bad will help light the way for what we could not do. Trust in your triad, my son. Use each other. If you do that, you will succeed at finishing what we started. I hope this means that Dallas is sticking around because I love him and Amanda, your note is hilarious that he's fine as hell because he is. I just really oh, yeah. appreciate the aesthetic at towards the end of the episode where it was the three of them on the dock. I just really appreciated just three just absolutely gorgeous people sitting together being hot. And I I love him. No line I, I, on Roswell will ever beat Michael being like, you know, looking at you is like looking at myself or whatever the hell he said. And Dallas was like, but black and beautiful. And I was like, <laughs> man, what a good line. What a good line. Um, mm-hmm. I find it a little hard to believe that Dallas couldn't have figured out that he was an alien before now. I mean, I think you would know. Not, I don't know if not know. I guess we just know so little about them that or little about him that it seems wild to me that he would go his whole life and not really kind of, I don't know, explore a little bit more. And I guess that's the part because of his faith that puts him at odds with 
not wanting to learn more like Michael and Isabel. Yeah, but I guess I also guess, you know, well, first he didn't um he didn't have the pod because the pod was in the lake. Yeah. So he didn't have any, you know, connection to that. Whereas like the the pod squad, they found they their pods. So that was I guess a waking call that <laughs> would be like literally from somewhere else. But also I think if you consider his his um main power is the hearing voices stuff, I guess, like telepathy, I guess you could call it. Um that must have been, I mean, it shows a little bit from the episode, and I really like the flashbacks with him and Heath from when they were kids. I really like that. Um kids and teenagers with a backwards baseball cap but whenever whatever i mean um, that's still the funniest thing on, on roswell does but anyway they look exactly the same they look the same i mean anyway it's fine yeah. um but i guess you could argue that with a power like that is like i don't know he could have like some mental illness that's like like some dissociative disorder or like schizophrenia or something like that at could explain in the human world closer yeah. to having actually like telekinesis like Michael does. Like Michael actually moves stuff. Yeah, I guess a, on a very extraordinarily realistic point of view, I find it hard to believe like physiologically that there isn't no, things that he would notice, like just the amount of times you go to a doctor. I don't know. It's just that, and that's all, that's been hand wavy for everyone. Like, that's just how it is. They can't, you know, it, it like plot wise makes sense, but it's just wild to me to think that he's like in his thirties and he's just like, that's, you know, but we have to ignore that obviously. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to get resolution on that and that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I guess growing up in like a religious world, like he did, I mean, if that's your frame of reference, I like what he said where he realize that he heard people's prayers like because if you're going to be raised in in the what seems like a very spiritual religious world that he was like I can see how that could be your assumption that like that's what you're going to jump to before you jump to aliens like there's a whole if I had if I could read people's minds there's a whole list of things that I would consider before I got to aliens really because if I could read people's minds yeah. the first thing I would think is <laughs> I'm not a human like that's the I don't know if I that's just my powers I have super I'm prophet, a superhero prophet mutant witch I don't know I there's a lot of things that I would consider before I got to aliens I mean aliens would be on that list yeah but I don't know that it would be the first thing I would jump to I liked that we got to see Dallas like preaching or whatever um because I think that. And I liked that Michael and Isabel were there. First of all, not only for the jokes about a scientist and two aliens walking to a church, but, and I'm glad that they brought it up later in the episode, we have sort of ignored the fact that Michael was religiously abused growing up, um, that that was a lot of religious trauma, um, that probably it did affect not only how he dealt with being an alien, but how he dealt with being queer as he grew up. And so to have the third part of his triad be... uh, first, not only a religious person. So having to put some faith and trust into a person who represents this institution that really, you know, gave him a lot of trauma. I think that that's, that's fantastic. And it was done so well. 
Um, and I'm really glad that they had the conversation on the dock where Michael brought it up again. Because, I mean, we did sort of gloss over it in season one and the fact that there was an exorcism, you know, and we never talked about it again and, and what that means. Because the show itself, although there are like religious, you know, s- symbols, um, is not a very religious show overall, I would say. And so it just sort of never got brought up again. So I'm super happy about that part of it. I am so, I'm so unbelievably, like I adore that scene on the dock. And, you know, it was, it, it is really interesting to have two characters who might have had the same experience. And what actually happened is that they developed a completely, completely opposite kind of reaction to religion. Like one became a priest and the other basically atheist, I think. I mean, Michael really rejects everything religion. And we did have, I think we had religion on the show, but it was, a lot of it was from Liz's point of view, Rosa, the Ortec was in general, which didn't really connect with Michael. So you couldn't really, it wasn't really the place to bring that up again, but I'm so glad that they found a way to bring that up again because he's been exercised. Like that was something that they said. And then it was like, Sure, that happened. It's just one of the many, many traumas that Michael had in his childhood. I was like, what the fuck? Um, so I'm so glad that they brought that up. I am so glad, again, I am going to mention the monster metaphor again for Michael. Because they, they, keep, they, they keep it in the show and it works so well for Michael um, as a queer man. And I know that most of that stuff is not... They don't talk about it from a queer perspective, but it's a metaphor that works works so well for him because he is a queer man. Um, so yeah, it was great. And I think um, I am so glad, um, this is just because I hit Max, but I am so glad that the triad is actually Isabel, Dallas and Michael. That's <laughs> wild to me. That was Thank wild you. to me because it's so, Max is their main guy. He's their main mm. male character. Um, and, uh, Isabel didn't even mention Max to Dallas both times that they talked, you know, it was, and I I don't know if that was for a purpose or what, but it was glaringly obvious when they were on that dock and Isabel was talking about me and Michael and there was no mention of anyone else. There was no anything else. And I would just, that's a, I was wild. I think that that's amazing. (laughs) And that their parents were so connected. I think that's fantastic. I think that's it's great. I I I really love it. I I love this idea that like they were kind of I don't know if bred is the right word, but like in air quotes, bred for this. Like they were born for this to be like this kind of triad and work together. And if you from the little that we know about Dallas, I think we um, their personalities kind of match really well better than with max like because max i don't have, i don't know if it's because you know he's a clone of the dictator or stuff like that and not like his son because again we've talked about the fact that Ma- michael has you know both parts of of nora and jones in him so he is closer to nora than to jones but max is literally okay he had a, a different bringing but he's his clone so if you think about what the show is saying about the triad and 
what they're meant to do with their powers and stuff like that. And then you have Max, who is literally the clone of a, of a dictator and a leader. So you can see from season one, he's always been the leader in the in the group, right? And in general, in like the, all the dynamics, he's kind of had these leadership roles. Um, and so it just works so well with with Dallas instead in the the triad. It, they just mesh together really well, I think, from from what we saw in this episode. I just I really liked it, and I I do hope we see him. Up. I'm assuming we will we will see more going forward. Like you, you can't yeah. just say it's, this is the triad and then you just leave it. I mean, it's hard to know because we've gotten so little about season four to really know what the direction is. I mean, yes, my assumption is he's not just going to be in like four episodes and that's it. That seems like a big reveal to only be in a couple episodes. I would like to see him sort of struggle with living with the fact that he's an alien and a Christian because I'm not quite sure how you would be both. Like once you know that you didn't come from this planet, once you know, once your whole, and they said it in the show, like once your whole worldview and your whole, not even worldview, but your whole universe view, I don't know, is, is altered. What does that mean for, you know, what you believe about religion and, and what it means? Because, you know, religion is really just, I mean, a way to, just or to deal with dying eventually but if you the way that you live and the way that you can die later on is is shifted what does that mean for him and the actor like blew my mind with how good his freak out was and just you know I'm glad that it was because sometimes it feels like people adjust really easily in the show like big bombshells just go over really well and they never really have time, you know, they never deal with it, but I'm glad that he was fucking flipping out and like, you know, really upset about it. Michael really kind of pissed me off, which they, which is the point. And he apologized, but just the like sort of pushing him to the edge and not, and, and he like lost his compassion there for a minute, which he explains to Alex why and it all makes sense. And it's not like at the end of the episode, I was like, fuck Michael, but <clears throat> they did have Michael sort of lose it for a second and lose his ability to understand where Dallas is coming from. And so that is the best part of the episode. I'll be really interested to see where it goes once Max is kind of back in the fold, because I think that the pod squad trio, so Isabel, Michael and Max has always been off balance because Max is like the leader. Right. And so he always feels like, especially early on in the show, like back in the first season, like you definitely got this idea that like Max was in charge. And so I'd like to see like that trio compared to this new trio where it feels like it would be much more equal between Isabel, Michael and Dallas. And like they're, you know, like Nick said, they've been bred for this. They've been, they're born to work together, the three of them. Whereas Max is not part of that equation. You know, he's completely separate. And so I would like to see like Max try to fit into this new power balance, like between all of them, you know, he's not only is he the clone of the person that destroyed their, their home planet, their world, their people, like he's now he's going to be kind of an outsider. If, if the true trio is, is Isabel and Michael and Dallas. Yeah, I think it will be really interesting because 
if you consider like the both Max and Dallas are outsiders in a way because Max, they're literally family and they've grown up together. Like from that perspective, like he's, he belongs there and Dallas doesn't. And from the perspective of the alien side, Dallas belongs there and Max kind of doesn't. I mean, he, he does, but not really. Um, so that will be interesting. I think it will be interesting to see Max and Dallas interact in general. Um, also because of the religion thing, like Max was the one who um, had that kind of, um, in season one, he brought up religion and the fact that he read through all the, you know, religious texts and, and all of that. And he tried to, you know, and the Jesus imagery and all of that. Um, that one on in, in season one mostly some of it in season two um, so it will be interesting I think to see them interact like will Max try to be like the alpha or I mean I guess he will but you know just knowing Max as a character really but. see that that Max hasn't really done that in a long time, though. I don't know that that's yeah. the same Max that he is now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens when they all get together. Um, I, you know, I don't know that he would necessarily try to be an alpha, especially the stuff with Jones has him so shook and so has like, uh, you know, unmoored him from his identity. That that's going to be really interesting once Jones is gone. I presume Jones will die at the end of the season. Is my guess. Um, just from the way that they've done with villains in the past, it would be, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just so, it was so, um, glaringly obvious that they left Max out that I think that there's a reason for that. So that'll be interesting. Um, well, and Max, I, I mean, Dallas apparently knows the, the Max situation. So like for Isabel and Michael, you know, they, they very obvious that they didn't mention him. But Dallas knows. I think he he seems to understand what's going on based on the end of the episode, right? Where he's talking about like if we can't, you know, get rid of Jones or disconnect Max or whatever it is, that we have to kill him. That I have to kill him. So he's he's aware of the situation. So yeah, I forgot I, about that part. Yeah, it's because I watched it thirty minutes ago. Sounds sounds great. You're right. No, I, I did remember that there was something that. Because I was thinking about it. I was thinking about him not saying everything that he saw to Michael and Isabel. Because I was thinking about the scene that he had with Kyle, which when he, he says that, I just forgot about that little part about Max. Um, which is so, like, it's so cool to see. Because as we were talking about, like, he will need, he will, we assume that we will need, he will need some time. Dallas, I mean, he will need some time to adjust to the fact that he's an alien. Um, kind of like Maria did, kind of like Rosa did, you know. Um, so the fact that he, the person that I, I think he didn't know any of them. I'm not sure, but you know, I don't, I don't think he knew any of them, including Kyle. So the fact that he, the person that he trusts to say, you know, there was something that I didn't tell you. Um, is Kyle because A is a human and B is a doctor. So Kyle is the perfect kind of character to tell say that to. Um 
so I do like that there is still part of them that is kind of like I trust humans more than I trust aliens and I am I'm a little alien so that was kind you, of interesting. this is kind of like assuming and I maybe show not tell do you think maybe he knows Kyle because of Rosa like because he had those scenes with Rosa a couple episodes ago so no, maybe he's like so. okay I don't think geographically so. I am not sure where he lives because like yeah. they were all like lincoln lincoln county and every i i am not i have no idea if they're like if this place is in roswell is just like two towns that are nearby and rosa just went to like another church in a nearby town because nobody knew her maybe yeah and i mean it was more of a therapy situation anyway so i i yeah. don't imagine i don't imagine that he may know of him, like he, you know, I don't know. Yeah, what that's Rosa what I meant. About. Yeah, yeah like maybe he, he maybe Rosa like, talked about them. Right yeah. now, that would make sense. Yeah, I don't know that. He, I, I doubt he would have met anyone. No, 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 but, no. I just meant maybe he's like, oh, I recognize you vaguely because I spoke to Rosa once and she talked about her brother Kyle. It's like something, know. you know, very yeah. like vaguely of. So he's like, okay, at least I know something about you compared to all these other people. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Um, I think I loved Michael opening up to Dallas, like I said earlier, and it does show great growth for Michael, but it, it did feel like we had to pull teeth for years to get him to talk to people. And it's just so weird to see him do it casually now. It's not a bad thing by any means, but it was just like, oh God. Like all the years and episodes of trying to get him to communicate, and now we're like getting it all at once, and it's just it's too much. Like it's maybe it's too- like he he did it he did it once, and he's like, "This is great, great. This I want to talk like to everyone." Spill. And I was like, "God, like it's so <laughs> wild." I'm so happy about it, but it was it did it, it's it, it's it's a very different Michael than what we're used to, and so I'm still talking about worldview changing. I'm still getting used to this like you know communicative Michael. And I'm sorry, I just have to say it. Heath and Dallas, I ship them and I don't care. 100%. Don't I care. kept waiting for them to make out I know. on that doc. I mean, I childhood friends to lovers. I'm sorry, a yes. human and an alien childhood friends that, you know, there's some trauma there. Like, listen, I'm the first to agree that sometimes that we need to just leave male friendships alone, right? That we deserve to have good male friendships. And for the most part, any other of the ships that I have are very cracky and they're not, you know, like Michael and Kyle or Kyle and Max. They're not real, like whatever. That's just for fun. Um, I would much rather see like deep friendships come out of it. Um, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, maybe I don't love my friends enough. I'm sorry, guys. Maybe I don't love people enough. I would not do the things that Heath has done for Dallas their entire lives for like anyone. And maybe, like, uh, maybe that's just because I'm a callous bitch, but I'm like, that sounds so exhausting and so detailed and so sacrificial. Like, holy shit. So anyway, they're in love. If, uh, if they didn't want us to ship them, they shouldn't have been looking at each other like that on that dock. But also, like, if you think about it, it's basically what Liz is doing for Max. Uh-huh. It's a parallel. Like, Hello. I mean, Liz is also doing it for Maria. But very, very, like, it's in very fine print that she's doing it for Maria. So, I don't know, guys. I mean... Uh, it's what Alex is doing for Michael. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh-huh. just saying, you can't change my mind. They're also, love. like, I feel like, okay, we, do, we don't see them most of the time. I think friendships are mostly between, on this show, are mostly between either with women or, like, a man and a woman. Uh, but we do have the friendships between men on this show, like Max and Michael. I mean... You can talk about it forever, how unbalanced that is, if it infuriates you, which it does for me. But that is a deep friendship. Like, I mean, yes, they're brothers. They see each other as brothers, not like friends. But like, or you see Kyle and Alex, you know, I just feel like that it just kind of goes a little, like a little tangent for a little bit. But that argument about, you know, wanting to see deep male friendships is like, yeah, okay, but queer people, queer men can have deep friendships, you know, it's it's just oh, not that, like... what I'm saying, a lot of times, and I don't think this fandom sometimes... Oh, yeah, with shipping well, goggles, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what oh, I, I mean, it. like, not that we don't see, you know, it's just sort of like a fandom side of it, you know, yeah, a lot of yeah, times yeah, we take... Yeah, I get it. This is inevitable, though. I'm sorry, I don't think you could watch them and just not uh, not see it. So... The show will never do anything about it, obviously. I mean, I can, I can, right now, Roswell has like what, four canon queer characters? I, I do not see them having any more, but you know, I could be wrong. Um, yeah, but very good chemistry anyway, so it's fine. I love it. This is fine. All right. Anything else on Heath um, or Dallas? Oh, no, but I did, you did put it in this kind of, in the little box um, about um, when Isabel and Michael and Michael are trying to get Dallas to go to the junkyard, I think. I mean, they're trying to, you know, get him alone so they can talk to him. And they have this little, they talk to them loved in it. their heads. I loved it. And I love the fact that Dallas hurt. <laughs> it was like, he heard on, Michael was like, being a dick. Yeah. That yeah. Was a, yeah. Um, it just really confused me. Um, I'm always really confused about their powers and how they change and how you know kind of because Michael, Max, and Isabel were the ones who had that connection. Michael was always the one who didn't. And Max and Isabel I mean, didn't even have a connection like that. That's very different than what Max and Isabel really had. Like yeah. at least I'm under the impression that their connection was more of like a almost like emotions versus like yeah. actual conversation. So this is like, holy, like, yeah, they, had, they just had a conversation. in the head. So, so it's, it's a little, a little confusing because kind of like this season has been, Oh, now they have this power and now they have this power. And it was like, what, when did that happen? But no, it was very cute. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I do want them to do that. Like kind of on our a regular basis, and considering that Dallas is probably maybe Rosa, Dallas is kind of the only one who can hear them. Maybe Max, maybe Rosa. But like in general, they can only hear themselves. Um, so I do want them to do it like in front of other people that cannot hear them, and just kind of stand there and look at each other like that kind of trope, and everyone's kind of looking at them like what's going on um yeah i think it'd be fine if they use it again um i the last note that i actually realized we didn't talk about which isn't a huge deal but i'm glad that they finally had isabel talk about consent after all this time 
after all these seasons of getting into people's minds when she had no business doing it, probably would have liked a more in-depth conversation about what consent means and the things that she sort of did to other people. But hey, the very least, we've talked about it. She brought it up. She realized she still did it or still tried, but at least realized that, that, you know, that's probably one of the reasons that she failed is that you can't just get it in her in people's minds. So more growth for Isabel is always a good thing. Now don't do it again. I say I cracked, I cracked the hell up when she fell off that bench. (laughs) She deserved it. And I loved it. It was amazing. Just beautiful, beautiful acting by Lily just falling on her ass. talk about the most pointless scene of the entire episode but one that would live in my heart forever talking about Anatza and Isabel um I you know archery who knew I know that you know who knew that that was like some sort of insane metaphor for Isabel and all of that but that's the hottest thing I've ever seen so I love and we'll talk about here in a minute but I love that both of what seemed to be love interests for Isabel, both Anatza and Kyle, or the potential of Kyle. Both of these episodes were about supporting Isabel and like giving her tools to realize her worth or giving her confidence and encouragement. And in this way, Anatza, you know, it was with archery and like she's capable of doing some things that she didn't think that she was and having confidence in herself and doing it in a very sexy way. So yeah, I it, unnecessary to the max. Appreciate that it happened. Well, yes, to the plot, yes, but also, I mean, we knew from two episodes ago. Like, they kind of mixed up, but we knew that they had drinks together and that they had a date and all of that. But um, you know, the the part that was missing was actually seeing it happen. So I'm glad that as as pointless as it, as it was to the plot of the episode in general i'm really glad that we saw it and that we saw them later on in the episode playing pool i think they were like at at the pony and i i cracked up when they were interrupted before the kiss because it's like finally isabel gets cock blocked by someone else finally we've been waiting literal years a note to the roswell fandom who gives a shit that anata slept with max Tell me one more time that you guys did not grow up watching soap operas or you didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210, you didn't watch Melrose Place, you didn't watch any of that shit without telling me you didn't do any of that shit because it's the CW. It's a shitty, you know, these shows like this, everybody sleeps with everybody. That's the whole point. This actual show, they all did that. They all slept with each other. Who cares? Well, and it's just, it's been, it's the way television shows have worked since the 90s. I mean, this is 30 years of television, minimum, minimum. And we could go back further, even further than that. But definitely in the last 30 years, television shows aimed at this age group, everybody sleeps with everyone. Vampire Diaries, all of it. Who gives one flying shit who has slept with who before? It doesn't mean anything. And I know it's a lingering, fuck it, we'll piss off our three listeners. I know it's a lingering thing about Maria and Alex and Michael. I know that it is. It just doesn't matter in that way. Like it doesn't matter who, and also Maria and Greg, 
that's, that's some weird like hang up for people. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't care. It would well, be I weird if they were actively, stupid. if they were actively dating, if Max and Anata were like, you know, it would be weird if there was some active, whatever, but it was a one night stand. Also tell me you've never had a one night stand without telling me you haven't had a one night stand. It was a one night stand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Now that Liz is back, he doesn't know. He doesn't notice any woman ever. It was just banging genitals together. Who cares? Anata and Isabel seem to have an actual like connection what that could turn emotional, but is clearly physical, intellectual, all of those things. So get over it. Do I think that it's stupid that they had her sleep with Max? Yeah, because yeah, I just don't see the point. But like it happened. It's not a big deal. It was a one night stand. Let's move on because obviously she's interested in Isabel way more than she ever was in Max. Like that's that's very clear. And I think so like, like so I don't think Max would care. They're aliens. I don't think they give a yeah. shit. Like, I just don't think it matters. Yeah, and I think kind of like for, say, Liz and Kyle when it happened or like Max and Jenna, like at some point it just become, becomes the funny thing that happened. And that's it. You know, it's just it's just funny that she slept with both of them. That's it. Um, I do... I do want to point out that I'm really glad that she she actually announced actually said that she's staying in Roswell. Um, and I hope that she got a little bit more plot for herself. Um, I'm pretty sure that we know she's actually staying for season four because um, the actress has been um, shooting, I think. Um, but, you know, from at the beginning of the season, I thought she was going to have like a much bigger part just because they they kind of set up a plot and then they just left it so yeah what happened to that plot yeah <laughs> i have no idea what With happened the to sheriff any and plot for the first part of the of the season <laughs> i have no Where's idea the funeral where's anything but especially yeah anasa's role I don't, that is of all the ways that i think season three has improved they haven't gotten any better <laughs> about keeping plots up so. Yeah, and and much like it's interesting to have, you know, Alex and Michael being that kind of relationship where one is an alien, the other is, you know, a soldier and all of that. One, Max and Liz is interesting because one is an alien, the other is a scientist. And this is interesting because Isabel is an alien and Anatza is a journalist and an and, investigative i have no idea how to say that word you say it investigative yeah. investigative Invest- you the way you said it got in my brain and i was like i don't know how to say that word now <laughs> yeah. I forgot she's a journalist. completely she's a journalist investigating stuff like right. that but anyway so it will be interesting to see them um you know i'll, I'll i assume she will try to find out more uh it will be interesting to see you know how much they will actually, you know, develop as a couple if Isabel tries, you know, decides to open up to her, like bring her into the fold. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so much potential there, not only between the two of them, but just Anata as a character. I want a last name. <laughs> I want, you know, if she's going to be here, then be here and make her a part of everything, you know in a way that I presume they're going to do with Dallas. I think, again, I think it just comes down to, I just don't know anything about season four other than the bank robbing stuff. So I, 
oh spoiler alert I guess um but uh, yeah so we just know so little but that I hope that she's not just here for a few episodes um so yeah anything else I hope about- this, I, I, yeah this is really minor and kind of pointless but I I'd like an explanation because Isabel mentioned in that archery scene about Anatza growing up in Chicago and Anatza having the accent that she does. I was like, it was for me. I was just like, but why did Chicago I'm sound she like immigrated. I'm assuming she immigrated. She's from, yeah, but since, I think she's from the, the actress. I think Simone is from, I, I don't want to say like dumb stuff, but I think she's from South Africa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine I'm she not, immigrated I'm when she up. was young. Yeah, she immigrated when she was young and then grew up in Chicago. Is my is my is what I assumed when they said that she you know it was like time came here after she was yeah. already speaking and had the accent and then grew up in Chicago. Correction. Okay, so I just was like, Zimbabwe. that's just such a random thing. Just like when I don't know, I was just like, I mean, okay, yeah. but now you've got to fill in a backstory yourself here. Yeah, just look. You got to do some work as a viewer. Oh yeah, yeah no, I'm just kidding. You shouldn't have to do that. You're right. Um, but it's Roswell, She's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from Zimbabwe. I just assumed she was um, South African because she wasn't on. She was on Black Sails, and what they did for Black Sails is basically all the minor characters were from South Africa. So that's why I assume. But anyway, she's from Zimbabwe. All right, so we'll move to Kyle and Isabel. Um, that I, you know, I have some feelings about. I, you know, I, I, it's, we'll see. I, and I wrote in our notes, and I still feel this way, that it kind of feels out of nowhere, but then it also feels like it's been here since season one. So it feels both of those things that I think Kyle and Isabel scenes have gotten better and more vulnerable and intimate over time. Season one in the hospital, I don't remember anything about season two. We'll just give up on that. But in the beginning of season three, you know, her thanking Kyle and the conversations they've had have felt, you know, they've been getting closer and closer over time. So I, I, in that way, it's not out of, and it's not like he came out and said anything. And if that's not the point, Michael Trevino acted this really weird and I don't know what in the hell is going on, but I think we can safely take from it that he's got some emotions and the way that he, stared at them and looked really morose at the bar um but it it, but then it also feels like it comes out of nowhere because we've had really no hint of it that he felt a certain way about Isabel um so I I don't know I don't know what to think I like them together it's not that I don't like it by any means but I also just really like I want I like Isabel and Anata and I just I don't want that to be thrown in the background for yeah what I'm thinking of, I, I always really like the dynamic with Kyle and Isabel. So I think I've said it on the podcast before that I wouldn't really be mad at that relationship if it happened. Um, I do agree that it's kind of very kind of out of the blue for Kyle to, you know, be clearly feeling that way towards Isabel. Um, I would like it, I think, because uh, I don't, I do not like the idea of another love triangle. <laughs> I do oh, not want to go through that again. If it's all, if it's a very different kind of love triangle, I'm down. But it'd have uh, to be very different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just because of what happened before on the show with love triangles. Just that experience is like, mm, no. But 
if they said it, Amanda, cover your ears. If if they set this up to be that Isabel dates Anatza, whatever, however long that is, and then the end game is Kyle and Isabel, but like in the future. I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't be mad at that. I like, just I don't want. Are... I don't want Isabel's relationship with a woman to be sort of shunted to the back burner. Yeah. Exactly. To make exactly. way for Kyle and Isabel. That was, that's my only thing. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, as long as they give Isabel, which it's always going to be a little lopsided because Kyle's a main character yeah. and Anatza isn't. So we're always going to have more of Kyle and Isabel than we would get of Isabel and Anatza. And yeah. I know that. So it's always going to be a little unbalanced. But as long as they spend a decent amount of time with Isabel, not that she has to be with a woman to be bisexual or whatever she is, but I just want them to spend time. I want that to become a thing. I want yeah. that to be fostered. And if Kyle and Isabel happen later on, I'm not going to be mad about it by any means. They are a hot couple. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't even mind like Pine and Kyle. Like you, mm -hmm. that maybe in season four, we get like Isabel and Anata and Kyle, because he feels like a very respectful person that he wouldn't really put himself in that situation. You know, like with, we kind of had a kind of, very in air quotes love triangle with Liz, Kyle, and Max in season one. And like, as soon as Kyle was aware of the fact that Max was in the picture for Liz, it kind of like, yep, nope, we're done, fine. You know, so. We've just seen Pining know. Kyle before for Liz a little bit. I mean, well, nothing, yeah. nothing over. So it just feels like, first, how many times Kyle, do we yeah, have him pine and then, or have like a shitty girlfriend he met in a hospital? Like, he wanted to have like a real love interest that is like yeah, reciprocated, yeah, yeah. you know? So I, I, I'm very conflicted on what I want. I, I you yeah. know, I want nothing but good things for Kyle, but that's why I'm confused. Why introduce Anata and then have this thing with Kyle come up now? Why not? I don't know. I guess I'm not understanding why you would have both of these love interests pop up at the same time. Because they want a love a triangle. Or... Or this is the poly rep that we're going to get. It just, you know, it, in a way, it does feel like a little bit of a better premise for a kind of a love triangle slash possible polyamory. Considering both Annette's and Elizabeth, I think they're bi or pan or queer or however they can define it. Like we've actually seen them both with men and with women. Whereas, you know, the scene that shall not be named. But anyway, let's move on. Agreed. Anyway, I think that I really enjoyed about the Kyle and Isabel stuff was how sweet Kyle was about it. Like he wanted to work with Isabel. He was just very soft and very sweet about it. Um, and like the sheriff, you know, mentions Isabel and Max, but mostly Isabel. And Kyle kind of, I mean, loses his shit. He gets arrested. And I think that it was the idea of, something happening to Isabel which I really I mean I enjoy that part of him I you know his like puppy dog eyes when he saw them at the bar or whatever I mean that's gonna haunt me forever like this poor guy it just seems like a very soft like a sweet thing that he feels for Isabel so far yeah. you know and he said nothing we have no conversation I don't know yeah. but it seems like a soft and sweet thing yeah again a little bit out of the blue like how how kind of extreme that reaction was uh, with the sheriff 
Um, but I understand it. I mean, he's also, you know, if you remove kind of like the shipping from it, he's also been working on this for so long and he's been trying to protect his people for so long. And, you know, the sheriff getting her hands on this would not only put him in, you know, possible danger, the aliens in possible danger, Liz in possible danger, Rosa, like the whole group basically would be in danger if the sheriff knew about this. So, you know, I totally get it. Um, again, the, the easable part, you know, the kind of romantic side to it um, that we started to see was a little bit out of the blue, but I, I agree it was a very soft, very sweet, just kind of Kyle being Kyle was, and being the best. You know? Just that sweet when, you know, Isabel says, you know, what possible button could she have pushed to, to get you to react that way? And the look on his face, I was just like, give Kyle anything he wants, anyone he wants, anytime he wants. I don't care. I cannot see, I cannot see the sad Kyle faces anymore. It, you know it, that trope? No. That trope of being like, why did you do that? And the person is kind of like, you know why? And it's not a way to say I love you, but it's a way to say I love you. That was kind of that. So, yeah. Very good trope. Now it's time where Amanda pisses everyone off with her Malik's opinions. Are we all ready? Okay, first of all, domestic Malik's is all I've ever wanted. I'm two and a half years into the show. All I've wanted is for Michael to bring breakfast to Alex in his house. Full of foods that I don't know what Alex said. His captions aren't working and I can't pronounce, but it looked delicious. I, you know, just the sweet, soft things don't have to be big and dramatic all the time. Sometimes it can just be breakfast. Sometimes it can just be sweet flirting. I know lots of people had a problem with the at ease soldier who gives a shit. I thought it was cute. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a callback to episode six, season one. Like it was just cute. Like that part of it is just cute. And I, I, do they not like cuteness and happiness? Like that was adorable. Listen, I feel people's pain that we had angsty Malik's for so long. I built my entire blog and personality on angsty Malik's. Everything I made, everything I did was built on angsty Malik's. And now that we have happy Malik's, I'm unmoored. I don't know what's going on at any given time. I also have no, I have trust issues out the ass. So I just sort of assume that it's all going to fall apart, which isn't fair. Um, so in some ways I get it. Other ways, come on. Just, it, he made a funny joke. Alex clearly was fine with it. It's funny. So anyway. Um, what I liked about this episode, um, obviously the domestic stuff, but I like that it was finally them being in Alex's space. Both right. for like the first scenes and then the scene at the end on the couch. Um, because for the whole of their relationship, they've been, the time that they've been together, because Michael has been in Alex's house before, but just to look for him. So the whole time they spent in either neutral territory, so like the drive-in, you know, whatever, or except for the shed maybe, you know, but that was mostly in the flashbacks um in michael's space so the airstream junkyard the truck whatever 
Um, so it was finally like a, a very kind of subtle way to say Alex is ready to have Michael be in his space um, and not make a big deal out of it. But it was it, it was very um, it was very cool to see. Well, because the last time he was there for any other purpose other than to look for Alex was that fucking the premiere of season two when they had that horrible conversation about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. And he's outside. Been- so it's outside, yeah, yeah. So and that was a whole other different situation. And so now he's actually they're actually inside together. Yeah. Which is so, it was such a good parallel to that. I don't you know, I don't think we're good for each other, mm-hmm. you know, and then and being the, and then being inside and doing things like casual kisses and like morning, you know, all of those things. Again, we went from zero to 60. Nothing wrong with that. I'm fine with it. It is sometimes a little bit like whiplash a little bit because episode 10 of season two was them fighting in the bunker and Alex saying really mean things. And then we flash forward and it's just, sometimes it's, it is, it's just, it's wild to get used to because we didn't have this for so long. So them communicating with one another will never not be just insane for me. I love it. Um, speaking of other spaces that they're in together that are very different is being in the bunker together. Um, which has been a very interesting spot for them. Speaking of season two, episode 10 was horrific bunker scene. Um, Season one, episode 10 of them being in the bunker then. Um, So clearly that's where they're going to be episode 10 of every season. Um, You know, we've had all this, so almost negative, you know, that when Alex finds out Michael wants to leave last, you know, so all of this. And now we finally have a scene in the bunker with the two of them where Michael's not doing well and Alex manages to, you know, talk him down off the ledge a little bit and they communicate with one another. And Michael like slows down and actually listens to what Alex has to say. A little bit of a pot calling the kettle black talking about letting, you know, not being afraid of your past, but hey, that's fine. Um, Fantastic scene. I'm turning it on. Wait, hold on, hold on. No, Dallas just stormed out of here, Alex. The only play now is to rip off the Band-Aid and hope whatever he sees drives him off the road somewhere so I can find him and I'm gonna question him. Did you see the look on his face? He lost his mind. The only way you're getting his help now is by talking him off the ledge first. Talking failed. I I don't get it. You have been searching for somebody like you your entire life and you found somebody and you don't wanna talk to them. What am I supposed to say exactly? What you need to do is you need to think about how you felt when you first learned who you are. I have. And that is exactly why I don't want to talk to him. Because I read his file. I read his file three times. I can't relive that again. You need to stop being afraid of your past. Because the only way you're gonna get what you want out of this is to show Dallas how similar his journey is to yours. About that, yeah, we just saw Alice kind of deal with it through visions of Nora. So, you know, he's he's try he's been trying to deal with it. He's past, trying, so, you know, <laughs> cut him some slack. But um, I love that scene. I loved it. Like, That's probably it the best such, one. Such a stark contrast to what you mentioned, like that scene that you mentioned from last season. Um, just Alex's tone. 
um, the way he, he talks to Michael, Michael's reaction, you know, and they're, they're at a very different place in their relationship, obviously, you know, a lot of time has passed. Um, and he was also, I think, a, a very good contrast between um, the scene at the drive-in from this season, episode three, I believe, because um, that was Alex knowing Michael and what Michael needed, but being very harsh about it. And this is Alex knowing Michael so well that he knows what he needs to say to him. But he, he's been very sweet about it. He's been very soft about it. He's not saying, Michael, shut up. He's Which, saying, right. You know, which is the Alex we've gotten a lot, you know, he's a little bit, which is, which I think we've talked about before, you know, and, and along the lines of what you're saying is that a lot of the times Alex's reactions have felt harsh, but it's like what Michael needed. This makes Mm -hmm. sense. But I think that approach this time just would not have, it was just such a perfect response. And I think it just shows this, the stuff that we don't see, right? Like the further communication that we can assume between the characters that we don't see on screen you can clearly see that they're communicating off screen, that, that their relationship is progressing even when we don't see it. Yeah. And, and that's amazing. Yeah. And also him, like Alex recognizing that this reaction from Michael was that I think it's very different. Like it's vastly like comes from very different traumas that Michael had, you know, like the fact that he was basically okay with, you know, the vision that he was going to die. And that was basically very low self-esteem for Michael throughout his life. And this is just like, he literally, he was exercised as a kid. He has very negative thoughts and, you know, a very negative connection to religion. And he's trying to deal with a religious man and trying to, you know, bring bring him into his... um, closed circle of people which is something that michael always kind of had you know the all the aliens kind of had problems with bringing people bringing more people in so that was great i think that was great i think alex read the perfect the the situation perfectly i think michael finally give kind of in air quotes giving in and realizing he's actually listening yeah listening i forget words but um (laughs) sure uh listening and actually going with what alex is saying you know is is not only hearing what alex is saying is actually listening and putting into practice later with dallas so well and i think their relationship has always been so fractured and so tense that michael was really never going to listen to alex because everything was just an argument or everything was a fight or everything was just very intense and overly emotional in a lot of ways and so here this is actual true partners communicating with one another like alex like you what this is what you need to do you know and and talking him through it and actually you know working through a problem together see this is what i've been wanting stop solving problems without one another for each other solve them together and this was a good glimpse of of them doing that and i'm glad that in the next scene we're going to talk about you know that they sort of acknowledge that michael sort of thanks alex for his help 
and Alex saying, this is all you, it may be true, but it really, this is, this is the both of them working together and look what happens. Before we move on to that, to that last scene, since we're talking about the bunker, I did want to mention, you know, we've talked in the, this season's recaps a lot about how separate Alex is from everything. Like he's been very separated from most of the storylines this season. And I loved in that, that last bunker scene with the triad and Kyle. And then Alex was there. Finally, finally. That he was, you know, he did he, I don't even know if he spoke in that scene. He didn't. But the, the fact that he was there and, you know, he's like supporting Michael and he's, you know, he's part of it. It was such a nice change since he's been so isolated. Yeah. And Michael, you know, throughout the whole episode, he's like, me and Alex are are doing, like, I got to bring Alex in, you know, kind of like Alex knows about the machine. He knows how to, you know, he has the machine. So we kind of have to bring him in. Um, Like he was always including Alex into the conversation, which was very nice. Um, It left me wondering a little bit. Does everyone know about them now? Like I, like I, I'm confused about the situation, whether or not people no, know I about presume, them. I assumed. I would assume I shouldn't so. do that. I assumed from. I mean, how, at least usable. Yeah, I assume from the way he's talking, and that they've been pretty open about you know talking about dates and all that. My assumption has always been that now everybody know they're you know completely open with it about people. But again, we haven't seen it, so I don't know. Yeah, but I would I imagine. Want, I do want to see it. I like. I mean, this has been. For for them too, it's been three seasons. Like people, and we know that people have known for like most of them for a long time now. So and from like, even if you think about Isabel teasing Michael about it in episode one of this season, like I, I, I can kind of do one there. You know, people's reaction. I know that maybe they don't have time for it. It's not really. Maybe yeah, I feel the like they probably, to do it, it was probably something that wasn't a priority just because the yeah, pro, yeah, you know, yeah. it just yeah. happened so quickly and we've been waiting so long for all this. And now all mm. of a sudden, bada bing, bada boom, they're like communicating boyfriends all of a sudden out of nowhere. And so it feels, I don't know if it's a, one of those time restraints. I mean, again, I'll say it for like the 14th time, I'm happy with it. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. I would kill to have had a scene or to have a scene this season with Maria and Alex talking about, you know, even not, and I don't want weirdly jealous, intense Maria. I want like, you're my best friend and I'm happy for you, Maria and Alex conversation. I want Maria to talk about Greg and I want Alex to talk about Michael to each other. Like look at our hot boyfriends. Look at us winning at life. I want that conversation sitting at the wild pony, having a conversation about their boyfriends. I don't think, I think that's very reasonable expectation for like a one minute conversation between best friends when it comes to relationships on the show like that would be nice even if it was Alex and Liz but I mean I really Alex and Maria would be awesome I could see that happening you know the the way the finale of finale you know final episodes of the seasons both seasons have gone now is everything kind of gets resolved in the second to last episode in the 12th yeah 20 like first 20 minutes of the final episode and then like those other 20 minutes of the last episode are like we're setting we either setting up the next season or kind of very soft scenes between characters that you have no idea whether they're there but you're glad that they're 
Um, so I could see it happening maybe like at the end of the last episode, maybe having them like all be at the pony, say, and and people maybe have different. That would be great. Yeah, I'm always Group here for scenes where all of them are together being friends. Like I'll settle for that happily. Agreed. Um, all right, so the final Malik scene um, and the quote-unquote explicit sex scene. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the homophobia. We're gonna talk about the homophobia on the CW for a second when we get there. But um, I have a complicated relationship with the couch scene. I loved it in terms of what they were saying to one another. It's stuff that I've wanted um, since day one. The things you know, I <clears throat> where they lost me a little bit with some of the cheesy ass lines. And I see, I think I said this to people where the writing got a little hokey. Um, easily ignored that's fine michael saying that to alex you know i'm home all of these things i want i don't necessarily know that they need to be said verbally i would rather see it which we have so it's fine um i did kind of watch the episode like that scene like oh like this um but you know that's fine i maybe i know i think i said it to someone i was like maybe it's my own intimacy issues i have a hard time (laughs) watching like intimate scenes and not physical but like these like really about you know scenes like that where I'm just like oh god I can feel like things crawling on my skin but that is purely my own issues I'm glad that they said the things that they said I'm glad that Alex gave Michael props for what he's done and I'm glad that Michael was extraordinarily vulnerable with Alex to tell him some of the things that he said yeah um I think yeah I I do agree some of the lines I think some of Lamis's acting as well it was kind of Ooh, a little cheesy, a little, a little over the top. Yeah. Um, means I do love you if you're listening to this. Um, but it was a little over the top. And I think in a way that I for me, I've felt in a lot of kind of Max and Liz scenes, for example, like some of their right. lines are kind of very cheesy. Um, which is fine. It's a it's a CW show, it's fine, whatever. Um, um actually, I would like to say at this moment in time, Michael Guerin would never fucking call Alex Maines Alexander Maines. I'm saying it to Vlamis, I'm saying it to the writers, I'm saying it to everyone. Thank you. No, I reject it. It didn't fucking happen. Alex also, first of all, why call him Maines? Just call him Alex. But even if you're gonna do that, Alex Maines, not Alexander Maines. But also, Hasn't it been established before that Alex wasn't short for anything? It was just Alex? Like, we've seen his documents before. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's a minor thing, but that's the kind of thing that I mean. It just sort of, like, ruined, you know, it gave me a second where I was like, you had to ruin the I'm home. I covered my face. When that (laughs) happened, I sat there and I was just like, oh, my God, no. Like, (laughs) I'm all about, like, cringy, cut cheesy, romantic like lines and stuff but like I can't stand in fic in shows whatever where all of a sudden they call them by their full name like I'm just yeah oh, and, and I can't all stand of it, it feels like you're in trouble like you feel uh-huh. like a parent and I think all of him. these things it's an adjustment when you come from a fandom that is mostly angst and you spend all this time wanting things that you don't really get um it is, it is a, it's a, it's a weird adjustment to go from never communicating with one another to finally saying the lines that we've only gotten thick up until now. We've only gotten these sort of sentiments from other writers in the fandom 
And so it's it, part of that might be the cheese factor for me too, where I'm like, it, you know, it would have been a little, it would have been worse if he'd said baby versus Alexander Maines. Um, but, you know, it's fine. I can overlook all of that. I, again, I would rather have that scene than not. And if it's a little cringy, their kiss was really sweet. The kiss was, well, it was hot. Let's be I, real. Wanted, I wanted to say that kiss was the most comfortable Sexy. kiss between them that yeah. I've seen on this show where they both seemed super comfortable and it was, yeah. it was, it was, a, it was a great, it felt like the kiss of partners versus like adversaries almost in a way, or like whatever they, you could classify them as, you know, this up until now. So it actually felt like a, like a partner situation, like someone I'm genuinely in love with this person. One day we'll get an, I love you a present tense, I love you. And I will promptly ascend into the heavens. Um, this is close enough for now and that's fine. Um, but that really felt like an, I love you kiss yeah. versus an angry one. Yeah. And also what I, I, I really like the parallels, like the number, the amount of parallels that they managed to fit in one scene yep. is frankly insane. Like there was like 10 of them. Um, I really liked it. It was kind of like, very very quickly because it, it, it's a brief scene it's not very long but they kind of managed to summarize their whole relationship and all of all that happened and be like this is where we had like this is where we got and all of that happened and we kind of touch on all of that um and we know that fans will know what we're talking about um so it felt a little that you know what you say that it felt a little fan servicey totally well, fine yeah yeah and I sometimes I honestly think we're owed a little fan service I don't think there's anything wrong with that my problem with fan service only gets to the point where it's like sacrificing character characteristics to for the fans mm -hmm. now that's where my problem is I don't think they've done that I don't think they will do that by any means um so you know there's been a few times where Michael has felt a little out of character only because it's not the character we know you know he's changed a lot you know, it was definitely fan servicey. Um, but every once in a while, you need like a, a fan service nod to your fans. We you have earned do. that. Yes, because Echo's gotten some fan servicey moments um, and some other. You know, so I am totally fine with as long as that doesn't become like a repetitive thing where you know things are fan servicey. I'm I'm totally happy with it. If is it ever going to rank for me top five Malik scenes? <clears throat> Probably not. Just, you know, a lot of, it, it's, which is okay. Um, the fact that we have enough Malik scenes for me to be able to, to rank them if I really wanted and a lot of boyfriend scenes that I could rank them if I wanted, that's fine. Um, I, anytime the Michael's being vulnerable and, and with, with someone is an A plus scene. Um, the sex scene, okay. Why it got what a higher sex rating? Scene? It got a higher rating. Ugh. Um, this is all like secondhand. You know, people posting it on Tumblr about Twitter about it had like a an an S rating or something. I don't know. Um, dumb. They were shirtless, making out on a couch. Like I saw people saying like there was thrusting involved, and I like no, there's not. They were if kissing. you slow it down, I mean, like yeah. You could slow down any kissing scene. Okay, I'm sorry. Kissing is literally thrusting your tongue in someone's mouth. It's disgusting. 
it's the act itself, it, you know, it's it's a sexual act in the, in that frame of reference and what, you know, shirtless on a couch, fine, whatever. You're telling, that is way less of anything compared to when you talk about the echo sex scene at the end of season yep. one, even the Malik's episode or the sex scene season or episode three, season one, like, yep. even them as teenagers, those are like, yep way more like fucking max and cam cam jerked him off on a counter but i don't believe and i'm gonna go back and look but i'm sorry and not to be gross <laughs> but he, he did she did and i want to go back and look to see if that got a higher rating because i don't think it did well maybe it did because it was both of them like it was maybe. they kind of you know they had yeah. the dual Malik's and Jenna, but whatever. easily could have been wearing pants. We have no idea. It wasn't. Yeah. It was forty seconds. Not even. Yeah. Not even. I barely long enough to make two gifts out of the whole thing. And that wasn't even the point. The point was that Michael was not available to take Max's call in the Thank moment God. of need. But anyway, get yours um, on a couch. I improve. That was so bone down. Anyway, um, I do because we we've talked about this literally last episode. Um, that we didn't want, like the the sex. If it happened, right. it wasn't that important to us as you know the three right. of us. Um, so I I do um like the fact that it was very brief and it wasn't right. like it wasn't it wasn't the point. The point wasn't that they were having sex. The point right. sex. The point was that Michael didn't take Max's call because he was doing something else, Alex. But anyway. <laughs> but it's but you know sex scenes are fine and i think you're right like as yeah. long as it's not in place of communicating which has always exactly. been their problem then have them a bone at the end of every episode on the couch i don't care it's always been as long as communication verbally yeah. is number one then every that's great absolutely yeah. show them because they're both horny as shit i get it and these and we've seen them have sex we've yeah. seen them have sex so it's not it's not critical to, we, we've seen that what's critical are these soft intimate moments now that exactly. they've grown as people like we yeah. know they have sexual chemistry and we know that they like each other that way that that's insanely clear like we get it um and i like that you know if you take their scenes in this episode and you confront this scene with every other scene in the episode it wasn't the important thing in no the absolutely like, the, the least fact, important like, by any means shortest you know least important communication was important the the domestic stuff was important all of that was a lot more important than this and that i really liked so props i agree it was also you know it was the shortest one it didn't you you didn't really need it i mean i i you know again it feels like a there's nothing wrong with showing them as like a you know taking the you know sort of next step in their relationship or that you know and he and i like that paralleled with michael saying we're not the same kids we were back in high school in the back of a pickup truck because you're right. You're, you're not. And we, a lot of times have spent <clears throat> precious screen time sort of always talking about the past and always talking about them when they were younger. And so it did feel like a good parallel of like, okay, we, you know, we we're moving on from that. We're adults. Now we have a couch to bone on rather than a pick, pickup truck. These are great things. I, you know, it was hilarious when it was over. I was like, is that it? Is that the sex scene? Like, that's not, it's nothing. And, but it was good. You know, they look hot together. Congratulations, Lamis and Tyler. Might I say about the couch, 
I understand like in the moment, you know, kind of they're very horny for each other and they don't move from the couch. Go to a bed, go to a bed, go to a bed. You have a perfectly functioning bed in the next room. How know them, man. Do you really need- Sometimes the couch is the closest thing. I know, I understand that. And also they're used to cram spaces, I guess, like, you know, the truck and the Airstream bed. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. their thing. I don't it's know. It's like making a think so of the Airstream. So it was a good job. You know, it was, it, if we were going to have a sex scene, I'm glad it was that and not, you know, and, and not something else that took away from, from their screen time together. So. Um, okay. So for general thoughts, I only had one note on here. There are a couple things I want to talk about, you know, can always kind of stick Jones here. Cause I don't really know where else to talk about him. Um, I like that Jones is becoming a little bit more subtle. He and Max are starting to become intertwined in a way where I don't think you can easily tell who's, who's who Jones is learning to become Max a little bit more. Um, which leaves me hopeful for some sort of showdown where people have to kill the right one. That's all I want. Jones and Max staying next to each other. Somebody has to choose who they kill and they kill the right one. That's all I want. Um, I'm confused by the sheriff. Is she a racist bigot? All lives matter. Is she, what is she? I don't know. I don't, I haven't figured out her function yet. I don't understand. I cheered when Jones shot her. I was like, yes. Yeah. Cause we know she's like awful. They just have never talked about it again. Is there something we, and we know with Anata, the whole reason that she's there is that, there's some racial tension to do with the yeah. sheriff. So but don't let not, that die. Not just because she's been, you know, an asshole this whole time, but also just because, you know, such a villainy thing for Jones to do. You know, you said you wouldn't shoot her and I sh- he shoots her he in the leg. He like, has zero morals. Like, zero morals. He, no promise means anything. And I think that that was a good... It's so he, shoot, he shot a dog. I mean, my God. To be um, fair, he said that he was going to shoot her in the head, and he didn't. That's fair. <laughs> well, thanks, Jones. I'm sure she appreciates that. Um, also, I'm going to say this at the end of every episode until it starts to make sense. Where the fuck happened with the funeral? Where the fuck is that? Are we going to ever talk about it again? Does it matter? We only have three more episodes. Three One more. would assume that Maria's going to be back next week, and I would assume it picks up after Okay. Next so that's leading into the. So finale. hopefully, eleven and twelve, you know, thirteen or whatever, in the double. Hopefully, that comes up again. But who knows? I. They spent so much time. Maria literally know. nearly killed herself to get answers, yeah. and now it's. Nothing. I don't know if we are to assume that they change enough stuff in the present to completely. No, you cut. That, that is a new level. I don't of know. Tell me, don't show me. You know, tell yeah, me, yeah, show yeah. me. A whole new level. If that's the, if that's, I will lose my mind. Um, I guess Wyatt is not around. I don't, we haven't seen him. Where I mean, the fuck just, is Wyatt? <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with it, but what a wild, things like that where I'm like, there's a, there's a big difference between, so this is how soap operas work, right? They set up something, they sort of let it simmer for a little while. You don't, you don't necessarily have to talk about it for a little while, but it's going to pop up. And we're going to crest back up. And it, that's how the story goes. Roswell does this thing where it's like, talk about nothing else other than this plot for, ev- you know, for four episodes and then never talk about it again. And it's gone. That's, and then they, or bring it up eight episodes later. It's like, that's not how that works even a little bit, but okay. Um, I have to wonder if 
because there seems to have been a universal negative response to the Wyatt storyline, right? I'm not super involved in fandom, but from what I've seen, it seems to be universal negative response. No, I wonder if they Tumblr. cut it out. Only on Tumblr. Twitter people loved it. General population. Really? On the general viewer, um, it's on Twitter, people loved Rose and Wyatt. Really? I never saw that. That's crazy to me. Apparently, maybe I'm just not fandom like Roswell fandom hated it. Mm -hmm. But the general sort of general viewers, apparently Rosa and Wyatt um, were a little bit more popular than people. Fandom voices do tend to be louder. We we tend to be more outspoken. I wonder if there's a backlash and they cut some of it out because it seems like it's it's kind of glaringly missing a little bit. I think, you know, kind of. I I don't think, but it, it doesn't feel like there's stuff missing. It just feels like they didn't film it. Like it just feels like it wasn't there at all in the. It feels, there was just uh, so much of it in the beginning. Yeah, I know. I think, yeah, well, it could be the you know it could be he already fulfilled what he needed to fulfill. I don't know. I don't know. With the- I mean, he said he was leaving. I just didn't. I th- I thought he was coming back at some point. Like. I guess maybe that was his redemption. I really don't know. Um, that's a weird, that was a real weird choice. But all right, let's do, let's wrap up with our favorite scenes. I, Nick, you go first. I can't make up my mind. Um, I think it, the stuff with Dallas was great. Um, if we don't have to pick a Malik scene, if you, if it, if you can pick, okay, I'll do a Malik scene and a general scene. Malik scene. <laughs> I thought we couldn't pick Malik scene. No, we do. We're doing it. I don't <laughs> Is care. it the general rule? No, Malik. No, we're doing it. All right, fine. Okay, okay, okay. We're not doing it. No, it's okay. It. okay. Pick both. It's okay. We can all do both. We do both. Right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Go. Um, so Malik scene, the bunker scene. Um, the other scene, um, hmm. I don't know. I really like all the Dallas stuff. Um, I really like the scene with Michael at the dock. And then I really like the, the scene where in the bunker, again, when they find out that they, they're the actual triad. That was Sarah. Uh, Malik's scene. I liked the breakfast scene. I like it when they're soft and just kind of happy. Um, overall scene. I really liked the dock scene with Dallas and Isabel and Michael it felt it feels like Dallas has weirdly been there for a long time like he he's integrated very quickly very easily in just this episode and I really liked the three of them together and I liked Isabel kind of leaning against Michael's back was really cute like I just I love how comfortable they are together so that's always nice to see um I would agree about the breakfast scene um not only because it, it did that it did a very functional thing that I like that it made them it was a, a few seconds of being cute and domestic but then it was also informational showing that you can have both right that you can have these sort of important scenes where you pass information along but it's also very because sometimes I think Roswell kind of fails it and a lot of shows fail not just Roswell um at showing like happy couples um and I hate to tell everyone listening but I just don't know that they're going to leave Malik's happy for super long. I don't think they're going to break them up, but it is, you know, angst central or whatever. So I like that. Um, overall scene, I have no clue because I was going to say the doc scene, but you guys already picked that. So I am going to say the um, scene towards the beginning at the, 
church. I don't know where they are. I don't know what little, you know, little sermon thing that Dallas is giving because I think that it mixed really well humor with everyone. It showed anytime they're out and about with like other people, I really enjoy. I thought it was like very like hijinks, like, oh no, the ambulance is here. It just portrayed their characters in a really fun way that I really, really like. Um, and it's sort of like mind, what did he call it? A mind tweet or something. And so, uh, you know, that, and the humor was really, really needed. And it was, so I would say that one. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Um, we will be back next week um, for, for the 311 recap. And then we will let you know what we decide about the recap for the finale, the, the, the double episode night. Um, us recording two episodes sounds awful. So we'll figure that out and we'll let you guys know. But as always, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, wherever you want. Um, and let us know what you think about the episode or any questions that you have that you want us to, to talk about on the next recap. So we will see you soon. Thank you guys. Bye guys. Bye.